Is the topic freedom today? No, I'm joking. Where's my Bible? Okay. So good morning, everyone, and it's great to be here for a second week in a row. Eh? Look at that. Must be getting tired of me already. Amen. I'm having a lot of messages on my phone asking me, how do I clean my windows now? Um, if you weren't here last week, shame on you. Uh, you can get the joke from someone else a little bit later. But uh, we, we, we're starting a new series today on freedom. What a better topic, eh, to start off the year. How can we experience more freedom in our lives, our relationships, our heart, our minds? And um, I've got a dear friend, Rodwin. Where are you? Why don't you come up here? Rodwin is not known for words, more for moves. Hey? Maybe he can dance one day for you, but today it's words. Dave, can I get that, that mic? Um, and uh, Rodwin is going to just want to share a little bit about how he's experiencing freedom in his life in three minutes. Yeah. Jokes. <laughs> is this on? Okay. Um, good morning, guys and girls. Um, I've got my testimony basically in poem form, um, so be advised. So events you're about to hear is based on a true story. Um, but yeah, it goes. My actual life. Just another young boy. No worries, no stresses, no strife. Filled with joy, I was happy, clappy. Did you know this chappy would dance at the sound of music, become tappy? Brought up in a prison of a loving home, my mind and my heart were the stone tablets my dad chiseled his commandments on. But just because I was held captive didn't mean there was no fun. I would run, run fast, fast forward to see me grow strong. But as a teenager and young adult, that didn't last long. Life gripped me, life whipped me, placing scars on my clean skin. They hurt, made me weak, and I would scream. But through the noise, a devil's whisper in my ears would ring. Does this job not make you tired? Working in this career of life, don't you want to quit? Don't you want to retire? It's so easy. Take these pills and quicken the time your life will expire. Escaping from this pain, these capsules taste so sweet. So I empty the container, soon to realize what I'm doing is stupid. It's a no-brainer. Sitting on the couch, I tremble not because of those sweets, but out of fear. What have I done? So I ran to my mom. The look in her eyes when she realized she might be losing a son. Racing to the car, she's the first one in. Rushing to the hospital, she drives like, like those taxis she hates. Passing through red lights, I bet her heart is beating so loud it could be mistaken for a siren. All of that is just episode number one. And the deleted scenes are the two times I stared down the barrel of a gun. But I actually won. God is always by my side. Even the time my neck felt the tip of a knife. But I'm content now. I have people who love me, my family. I have people who support me, my friends. I have someone who is a part of me, my wife. This is actually a happy life. And if you know Rodwin at all, um, we've witnessed over the last three or four years uh, a, a living form of 
someone encountering freedom. Rodman walked in, I think three days after he was married, and they decided they want to move into another church together. And he is stuck at working night shifts, different jobs, trying to find lift to get here. And he's just continually focused on the Lord. And now he's driving a Ford Ranger. Come on. I mean, Lord, why not me? <clears throat> and he's got a beautiful wife. He's got a new job with his boss standing in the front here. He's also worshiping the Lord. And uh, we just, we're thrilled for you, Rod. And we want to honor you, man. Thank you for what you're doing. And as a church, that's what freedom's about. Hey? That's what it's about. Um, so when we start off and, and open our Bibles, we're going we're gonna to start in John chapter 8. And there's two parts to this today. The first part is sometimes not nice to digest, but the second part is amazing. So stick with me as we go through it, and I promise you, uh, you will thank me later. No, I don't know. But let's just, let's get into this. John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, in other words, if you hold to my teaching, as the NIV says it, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You're probably going to hear that scripture a lot over the next six weeks. And, um, but it's a, it's a clear mandate of what Jesus is trying to say. He's, he's trying to help us grasp the, the joy and the secret of freedom. I don't know about you, but have you ever encountered some kind of truth that will change your life? And you're like, yo, this is going to change me, right? And you think, I'm going to write this down. I'm, this is going to change my life. And you're driving home, and it's already gone. Or you heard so many beautiful truths last week by that great preacher. And uh, not, not even he has implemented some of the things that he's been saying. You know that what happens. You see this truth, and it goes from one ear, shoo, out the other. Why? The reason, one of the reasons out of many, is that we're fighting an enemy that wants to take the truth from our mind that will change us, right? And so freedom is not a case of the will. It's not a case of actions. It's not a case of trying to, like, force myself to, to do it. It's a battle of the mind. It's up here. Freedom and change happens up here, the battle of the mind. Um, some of you recall last week when I was talking about my brying skills, hey? And I'm a proper briar when I'm by myself. But for some reason, when I invite people over, especially people of a certain culture, we won't explain, something happens to the patties. Something happens to that brewer's It was juicy, and then it was as dry as a stick. What happens? It's when I'm by myself, I can do it the way I think I should do it. The moment everyone's around me, my mind takes over. And I start thinking, I better make sure this thing's not raw. I better make sure there's no blood here. I better make sure this bride's perk, perk. And I overthink it, and there's a battle of the mind that goes on. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, be transformed. We know the verse. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? And so how do we start 
renewing our mind so that we can start living in freedom. Some of you would say, stop brying. <laughs> it's now, it's actually quite a clever little trick. You just bry really badly once or twice, and then you get to sit and drink Coke. <laughs> and everyone else bries for you. It's amazing. It's actually the secret. But that's not it. John chapter 8, verse 31 Jesus says that if you abide in my word or hold onto my teaching, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We often think if I just know it, I will be free. If I know the truth, I will be free. But it's about holding onto the truth. Holding onto the truth. As I hold onto it, I begin to know it. As I begin to know it, freedom begins to take place. And so last week, we looked at um, how freedom, but more into healing relationships, how freedom and relationships go together, how we can only encounter freedom when we encounter and heal relationships by being with Jesus. Fundamentally, it's about allowing our lives to surrender, lay our lives down, and be with Him. And this week, I want to take it one step further and understand how to actually stay with Him. Because it's not one thing just to know I need to be with Jesus. It's another thing that I have to know how to stay with him when I know I need to be with Jesus. How do I hold on to Jesus? How do I be with him? How do I allow his words to change me? And in doing so, I experience freedom. And so um, it's a very short little word. And it's not something that we enjoy hearing. But it starts with self-denial. Dum, dum, dum. Oh no, self-denial, something that we don't really want to hear, something we don't enjoy because we're human beings. But I want to show you how passionate Jesus was about self-denial. And it will get better, so just stay with me, please. But I want to show you, and we're just going to jump through a few little scriptures here and show you how adamant Jesus was about the cost of discipleship, about dying to self, about denial of yourself. Okay, let's start with Luke chapter 9. And uh, Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, 20, 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, right? And take up his cross daily. Now, this is not just the sake of giving your life to Jesus and then for the rest of the life. Bless you, Rob. Your turn is tonight, my brother, not now. Sheesh, more Lord. But it's about a daily thing. We sometimes think, I, give, I gave my life to the Lord, now it's just kind of like living in the sweet by and by. But it's a daily denial of myself. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Interesting. Then you jump over the page to verse 57. Jesus says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. You know those kind of people. I'll do whatever you say, Jesus. Sign me up. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So now that he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury his own dead. But as you go, proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to people at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. It's intense, intense stuff. Hey? Then jump a few chapters. Chapter 14, um, 
chapter 14, verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What is Jesus doing? He's ruining the model and the formula of church growth. A company of crowds were following him. with tons of people wanting to listen to Jesus because of what he was saying. And then he, what does he do? He turns around and he just denies everyone. If you don't love, if you love your father and mother and sister, it's not like if you don't love that guy out there. Like that's, that's not, that's like, it's not hard to not love the person. To not love your father and mother and sister and your wife and yourself. You cannot be my disciple. Boom. What is he doing? Why is he saying all this? Does he say, is he saying we can't love our family? We can't, no, of course not. He loves family. He loves community. But he's wanting to say, I've got to be more important than anyone else. I've got to be up here. And he, and he jumps at that. He doesn't rest in his laurels. He doesn't rest with the crowds and enjoys it for a while, puts them into home groups, kind of gets the name going, and then starts talking about the cost. Boom, straight away, cost, self-denial. Final, final one, Galatians chapter five. And this is Paul now speaking and explaining something. He says, um, verse 16, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you wanna do. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law, now the works of the flesh are evident, and he goes into what are those. Okay, Jesus is making it very clear that self-denial is a big deal. I don't know about you. Self-denial, laying down your life, not living what I wanna do. Jesus is making it paramount that if you cannot do this, you cannot in- in- inherit the kingdom. Don't let your mind go wild, just stay with me. And the problem is, why I'm kind of reinforcing, like, just stay with me, is because it's not an attractive message for us. Because the world is the opposite. Freedom and self-denial are the furthest thing from each other in a worldly sense. If you want to be free in the world, do whatever you want to do. If you want to be free in the world, go and retire on that beautiful golf course, you know, there's nothing wrong with actually retiring on a beautiful golf course. I don't know why I said that. But if, if, you, if, if you want freedom, go and buy an island by yourself and go live on it. Enjoy your life. Freedom is self-fulfillment, not self-denial. So no wonder it's uncomfortable for us to begin to understand this and why we don't grapple with this a lot sometimes because we can interpret it wrong, we can confuse ourselves, and we, don't, we cannot see how self-denial and freedom can come together. But it's the key. It's the key. It's the, the, the fundamental of freedom, really. We want to look at that. I mean, I know um, Sarah and I, I experienced this in my life. Sarah and I, some nights we'll be watching something and, you know, after dinner, always pull out the chocolate, especially that chocolate with the Turkish delight in the middle. Come on. Hey, guys. I love, I, I love Turkish delight. So if you, if you love me, feed me Turkish delight, like Peter and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. 
I still love that, that, that like, Turkish delight. But back to the story. I love Turkish delight chocolate. And so we have one or two bars, and then all of a sudden, Sarah takes the thing away. Like, what are you doing? Who the heck do you think you are? She says to me, that's enough for it tonight. I said, what do you mean? We've only had two bars. The movie's still going on. Give it back. Stop. No. Because in my mind, I think to myself, hey, I want chocolate because it makes me feel nice, and I want to eat the whole bar tonight. Right? Wives, you don't do that, eh? Don't. But it's, it's this, this thing of like, hey, you can't do that to me. You can't deny me half a chocolate. I want that thing. Give it to me now. And when we're denied it, we want it even more. Hey? Don't lie. We don't like to deny ourselves because it makes us uncomfortable. And what actually it ultimately does is it makes us feel like we don't know what to do. Because when you tell me, do whatever you like, well, I can't lose. But if you tell me you're not allowed to do that, well, then I think, well, what am I allowed to do? What if I can't do it? And so self-denial always brings up an anxiety and a fear and, and, a, and a worry in our lives about what we can do. But Jesus clearly is saying to be his disciple, to follow Jesus, to be able to be with Jesus, to hold on to the truth, to experience freedom, we have to die to self. We have to die to self. And for the disciples, it was literal dying. It was literally dying. Paul was beheaded in Rome. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was crucified in Greece. Thomas died being pierced by four soldiers. Philip cruelly put to death in Asia. Matthew was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was martyred. James was stoned. Simon killed for refusing to worship the sun god in Persia. Matthias was burned to death in Syria. James, the son of Zebedee, was executed by Herod. And John died of old age. I want to be John. <laughs> hey, come on. But they, they died for their faith. They literally, human beings, died for their, for their faith. That we're sitting here worshiping and talking about and trying to grow. And they died for this. That excites me, but it also scares the heck out of me, right? But Jesus is not saying we're all going to die for our faith. But he does say we're going to have to deny ourselves. We're going to have to die to ourselves. And that's the flesh that Galatians is talking about. That's coming under authority, coming under a king, laying my life down and asking Jesus every day, daily, as Luke 9 says. Deny daily, Jesus, what do you want? What do you want today? What, what am I, how can I serve you? It's a daily denial of myself. Okay? And there's two ways that we deal with this cost often. Matthew chapter 8, I'm jumping a lot, I apologize. But we see this cost of following Jesus, and then Jesus goes out and calms a storm. And I want to sit here, because I think there's something here, there's something good that we're going to grab. But first of all, Jesus encounters two types of people with this cost. The first one, um, he says, Jesus, I'll come and I'll, I want to follow you, and I'll do everything for you. And so often what happens is, when we face with a cost, what we do sometimes is we act like there's no cost. We say, I'll just follow you. I'm going to do everything. We don't realize that there's a cost. That's how we react to the cost of discipleship. And that's how sometimes people teach. You know that thing of like, hey, like just give your life to the Lord. It's like a really easy little thing to do. Like just, just give your life to the Lord. Like just say the words and then you're in heaven and then it's done. No, 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 no. 
it'll change your life. We try and like, we, some people will lay it down and dumb it down because we, we're scared that people run away from the cost. Because we're trying to show that there's no cost. Because we're trying to understand something that's true, but it's not true at the same time. There is cost, but there's no cost. We'll get into that. And the second person says, Jesus, wait, I'll follow you, but first let me just go bury my father. And Jesus says to him, let the bury dead there owe. You think, oof. Can't let me bury my dad. Sheesh. No, again, not, not focusing on the burial of the father, but he's saying, make your life centered around me. And so what this person saw the cost and understood it, praise the Lord, but saw the cross as such a high thing that he decided, I can't do it now. And that's how sometimes we also respond to the cost. We look at this cost and we think, that's way too much. I can't do all that. Uh, I like myself in the middle here. Kind of give it a little bit, but I, I don't really want it all because that is a huge cost. That's my whole life. That's a bit too much. Those are two ways that we react to the cost. We either act like there's none or we so, so much cost that we are running away from allowing Jesus to transform us. And so why is Jesus so adamant about the cost? Why is Jesus so adamant about self-denial? Why is self-denial so key to freedom? And it's found, first of all, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, where Jesus shares the shortest parable out of all of them. And he says there, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought the field. That was it. That's the whole parable. Boom. What Jesus is saying there, here's someone who has found something so valuable. So valuable. A hidden treasure that's worth more than anything he could ever own. He hides it, he goes and he sells everything, and with joy he sells everything, with joy. He sells everything and he comes back and he buys the land. Jesus is moving from the cost and he's trying to show people there is a reward like nothing else when we lay down our lives. A reward like nothing else in store for us. And so back to the Matthew chapter eight, after Jesus has talked about the cost, we all know about the story. He gets into the boat and he's sleeping and the waters fill that boat and the disciples are in chaos. They wake him up and they say, don't, aren't you afraid? Like, don't, you, don't you care about us? Jesus says, why are you so afraid? And he calms the storm. And he's with them. And I don't want to get into that too much. But it's three things that we see by what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is not afraid of anything. Right? Jesus is in control of everything. And Jesus is always with us. And the disciples learned that that day. And we can understand that. Jesus is not afraid of anything that you ever go through and you ever do. Okay? Jesus is in control of all creation. And Jesus is always with us. And when we understand that, we understand the heart of Jesus. 
we understand who Jesus is, that is the reward that we begin to discover. And when we begin to discover the reward of who Jesus is, that here's a person that nothing disturbs him, that he is in control of all creation, and that he is with us always, we begin to understand this treasure that the parable is talking about, okay? And there's this realization of joy. But here's the key. The joy is not, wow, I can get so much from this Jesus. The joy is not, wow, that man can do so much in my life. So I'm going to give him that part of my life because I want that in me. No, the joy that Jesus is talking about in the parable, the joy that the disciples encountered when they see this Jesus in the boat, the joy is the realization that it's not up to them anymore, that the pressure is off, that we can realize, we can live our lives, and we don't have to do this alone. And we get reminded every single day. It's not, wow, Jesus can do so much for me, so I'm going to give him a bit. It's, wow, Jesus takes the pressure off me. Jesus wants to transform me. Jesus wants to give me freedom. Jesus wants to change my life. Jesus wants to inhibit, inhibit me. He wants to change me. He wants to grow me. He wants to mold me. And when I begin to realize that, the cost is minimal. You bury it, you go and you sell everything, and you come back. Because it's like it's not even a cost. Why is Jesus talking so much about the cost? Because only, only when we deny ourselves, only when we give away ourselves, only when we lay down our lives can we realize That is not up to us. Only when we lay down our lives can we realize that it's not up to me anymore. And so Jesus twists it on. He's not shouting at people saying, you must give up your life and just die for me and be a slave to me. He's saying, give up your life because when you, only when you give up your life, you're going to realize you don't have to live this life by yourself, but you can only realize that when you lay down your life. Because if you're keeping hold of your life, you keep reminding yourself, it's up to me, I've got to fix this all. But when you lay down your life, when you count the cost, when you deny yourself, you realize, wow, I've got a king who's in, who's in, in control of the creation. I've got a king who's in, afraid of nothing. I've got a king who's right here with me. That person He's with me, and he's going to bring me to freedom, and he's going to set me free. That's the freedom that Jesus is talking about, and that's why self-denial is so key. I'll give you an example. When Anne was a little baby, I walking down the passage up and down, and I used to just like try. She obviously didn't understand English then. Come on. But I used to tell her, come on, just can't you go down? Can't you sleep? And it'd be like early in the morning. And she'd be like flustered. And the moment she realized it's not up to her to have to fall asleep and she can rest in my arms, 
she, she fell asleep. And it was like this picture of like the moment we realize, wow, it's not up to me. And we, we're like that little baby. We're in our dad's arm and we're struggling and we're trying to fix it all. The moment we realize, but we, to do that, Anne had to lay her life down. She had, to, she had to deny what she was feeling to allow me to change, to help her. The other day, you know, this, this last year, hey, it's been, um, sure, it was, it's probably been my, my hardest year. Um, but yet, I've never felt Jesus more. It's been a year of trying to figure things out and trying to understand, but yet, I've never felt Jesus more. And the other day, I was praying, I was on my knees, I said, oh, Lord, there's so many thoughts going in my mind, I'm rushing, you know, you thought, I'll get a holiday, and then after holiday, everything will be fine. There's just so much, and I can't focus, and I can't, I can't understand, I can't, I can't make sense of a lot of things. I'm like, oh, Lord, do I need a psychologist? Do I need medication? Like, what's going on? How can I, how can I help myself? And I just got on my knees, like, oh, Lord, help me. And in that moment, I realized again, wow. You've got to, you, 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 once you're on your knees, you realize he's in the pain. He's there with you. He's with you. And you've got to get to that place of denying yourself and laying your life down and say, I've got to remind myself again, Jesus is here. And I, I feel like he's healed me. I feel like he's transformed me. Obviously, I'm healing, but I feel like he's healing me. And there's nothing wrong with medication. And there's nothing wrong with a psychologist. I'll go to a psychologist. There's nothing wrong with that. But what they are supposed to be doing is helping us remind us to lay our life down. They're not there to fix us and to take that away. They're helping us remind us, wow, we need to sort this out and we lay our life down for Jesus. And so I want to end off with one final little thing. When we know the true reason for self-denial, and this has been profound, when we know the true reason for self-denial, it ultimately changes how we receive. How we receive. John Wimber, in the book, The Radical Middle, and some of you know the story, he was going after healing, going after healing, going after healing. It wasn't working. Something just wasn't clicking. Lord, what's going on? What's going on? And he gets one. One person gets healed. And as he's driving home, he sees this picture of this honeycomb, and it's dripping on people. And some people are flicking it off. Ugh. And some people don't understand what it's about. And some people are enjoying it, basking in the honey. They ask the Lord. I'll take it from there. He write, they write in the book, Lord, what is this? He said, it's my mercy, John. For some people, it's a blessing but for others, it's a hindrance. There's plenty for everyone. Don't beg me for healing again. The problem isn't on my end, John. It's down there. John says, this vision changed, John. He never looked at healing ministry the same way again. God's mercy and compassion are available to all. But we need to learn how to receive it. We need to learn how to partner with the Holy Spirit 
Once John and the church began to learn this, healing began to drop from heaven like honey. We can so quickly try and make it a formula and think, how do I, how do I receive God? No. What God is saying to all of us is his compassion and his mercy is pouring out right now. Like, you know, like an alien spaceship that comes down and it like highlights one person, like whoops, you know, that one. It's like God's mercy and compassion is pouring out on every single person here right now. And what John realized and what we need to realize is that it's not if I really try hard and if I really am good and if I really do all the things well, I will learn and he will then pour out his mercy and compassion in my life. No, it's his mercy and compassion is pouring out regardless of what I do. But when I learn to receive it, I get filled. When I deny myself, when I don't just do what I wanna do, but I do, what do you wanna do, Lord? We learn to receive. We're not holding on to what we're doing. Our hands become open and boom, it comes out. Why would a sinful prostitute get healed by Jesus in an instant? Because it wasn't about what she had done. It was about this mercy and compassion. It was just pouring out on her. And in that moment when she saw Jesus and that lady that was bleeding and she saw Jesus, she learned how to receive. How did she receive? She just ran away and just grabbed the cloak and boom, mercy and compassion filled her. It changes everything. It, we have ministry time. We had ministry time now. It's like not, should I go? What is Jesus going to do? Am I good enough? Have I fixed that? No, it's I can come because it's not about what I've done. It's about his mercy and compassion. Boom. And when I come and I receive it, it changes my life. Freedom begins to happen. Does that make sense? And self-denial is just one way. One very important key that we start off with, laying our life down for the sake of the king and his kingdom. Let's pray and invite the Lord and, and let's, 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 oh, let's receive, guys. Let's receive, eh? Let's receive his compassion and his mercy. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We want to lay our lives down to the king, and we know it's hard, and you know it's hard. You know it's hard, Lord. It's hard to give up our rights. It's hard to lay down our lives, but there is a sweet reward. There's a sweet truth, and I pray, Holy Spirit, for your, your power, your mercy, your grace to come and flow us right now, Jesus. Teach us to receive. Teach us to receive, Lord. Teach us to receive. Teach us to receive. I also want to invite Matt and some of the team just to come play, um, play a song. Um, and, and while we're ending off and we're just listening to the Lord, just receiving, I want to invite Dave as well. We want, we want, to, we want to come to Dave. And while we're just receiving and sharing words and just allowing the Lord to do what he wants to do right now. I want to open up a space in the front here. And you can receive where you are, but there's something special about making a choice of just coming and laying your life down at the altar, laying your life down 
And there's not a specific thing that I'm calling to bring, but just bringing your life and saying, Jesus, I want to start again. I want to start again daily. I want to lay down my life, deny myself for the sake of Jesus. So while we're worshiping and singing and I'm going to share some words, just come up and uh, people might surround you and just pray for you for a sec, but just an opportunity just to receive what the Lord is doing. One of the enemies of, of, of our freedom in Christ is, is our fear. Fear shuts us down, doesn't it? Fear makes us live timid, safe little lives. And when we have laid down our lives, because that's the worst thing we could fear, is that we're going to lose our lives and think about it. And Dave's absolutely right. But it's what we're afraid of that will keep us back from just laying down our lives and trusting Him. I just feel like as we start this new year, we want to pray for the breaking of the bondages of fear, of apprehension, anxiety. Uh, that affects the way we do stuff, the way we do money, the way we do time, the way we do sleep. Uh, how many wish you could sleep better? Anybody wish you could sleep better? Yeah. So when Dave's talking about if you'd like to just lay your life down and uh, we're saying, would you also allow the Lord to come and pour his love in, his perfect love that drives out all fear? We want to pray for people who, who need that today. So why don't we stand together and just begin to, and if you want to kneel while we worship or sit here. But as Dave says, as we worship now, <clears throat> And it's so good to be able to do that, hey, to sing of his great love for us. Just come forward as well. We'd love to pray for people um, who'd like to lay down their lives and break the bondages of things that keep them back from knowing his, his freedom. Amen. It's a quick one. Um, before the service started, Jesus said to me, often we're not fearful about our weaknesses and what we aren't, we're often fearful about what we could be. And sometimes Jesus freaks me out because he asks me to do things that I don't feel I have the capacity for, but it's his greatness and it terrifies me. But it is, as we're more fearful of, of, our, of this big thing than we are of staying there. So we stay there. So my encouragement is let's grasp hold of the unimaginable big thing that freaks us out completely. I had a um, picture during worship. I kind of closed my eyes and I saw like a shadow like in my mind. And it was, I almost imagined it being like all the angels worshiping with us, you know, and I just, it just like ha I had this realization that when we worship, like the angels are forever worshiping Jesus, like all day, every day. And every time they look at him, they see something else they can worship him about, you know? And when we worship, we're worshiping with the angels. And there's a moment where like heaven is touching earth and it's really holy. So yeah, I just was like really encouraged by that. And thought, you know, that's a moment where we can grasp, like touch heaven, you know, they're worshiping with us. Hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah 
we're going to continue just worshiping the Lord. We're going to continue just staying in the space. If you want to come, just lay down your life, get some prayer. More than welcome to come. Um, and we're going to end the service like that. There's tea and coffee there for you. We're going to sing that song one more time as well. But while we're singing and while we're worshiping, just feel free if you need to go. We want to bless you. We want to thank you for being with us today. Love to connect with you. There's free coffee at the back. Cappuccino's open. And everyone online just want to say thank you for joining us. Bless you guys. Bless you guys.